Hi, I'm Mo Abdelbaki, and this is episode six of my podcast. Welcome to Out of Mo's Mind. Hello, hello, and welcome. Today I'm going to talk about the Chinese New Year and whatever else comes up in regard to that. So um, let's dig in, shall we? Oh, well, anyway, so today is a few days before the Chinese New Year. At least that's when I'm recording this. And of course, that's all I can go by because you might be listening to this a thousand years in the future. Uh, That is possible. If you're my great, 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 great grandchild, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't embarrass you too much by being me. Anyway, let's get away from that. So the Chinese New Year takes place um, on the second new moon after the winter solstice. So that usually puts it somewhere around early February, and this year is no exception. Uh, The Chinese New Year is kind of a big deal around the world, and about a third of the world's population celebrates the Chinese New Year. Uh, They have different names for it and so on, but um, not knowing all the names and not speaking uh, any actual uh, Chinese or Vietnamese or Thai or anything else. I mean, we just, I just go with Chinese New Year. So Happy New Year to those of you celebrating. There will be quite a few who do, who do, who do. Hoodoo, hoodoo, voodoo, voodoo, hoodoo. I lived in New Orleans for a while, so not New Orleans, Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge, same state. Went to New Orleans quite a bit. I'm a veteran of three Mardi Gras. Um, the last one was, ooh, wasn't a great one. The first two were magnificent. The second was absolutely the best of the three. This was back in the mid-70s. Well, let's go earlier to the 70s, about 1972. In 1972, my family moved to Northern California. Uh, The reason for that was because my dad had taken a sabbatical. He was a college professor at Colorado State. And so he took a sabbatical to, um, well, to Stanford University and did some stuff in Berkeley as well. Well, I had just graduated from high school and uh, the last thing on earth I wanted to do was be out on my own earning a job and having to you know, do adult things, because frankly, that just terrified me. Still does, actually, for the most part. What can I say about that? It it just is one of those. But anyway, so 1972, uh, we packed up the uh, the car in a trailer, and boom, boom, the whole family went to Northern California. And so it was really great out there. I mean, we had a great time. My mom was happy. It's probably the happiest year I think my mom might have had. She and my dad came to this country uh, from Egypt by way of the UK. And so um, she always had a hard time kind of adjusting. My dad adjusted wherever he went. Before wherever, It was just okay. He was like, yes, no, this is fine. Is that all right, Dad? Oh, yeah, that's perfectly okay. I don't, I sure do a little bit of this, do a little of that. He was very laid back in that, which is cool. My mom, not not so much. But one of the things that um, that happened was that we discovered Chinatown on on our year-long visit. And we actually went, my, my parents had been there before. We'd gone to California when I was a kid a couple of times, three times, four times, uh, you know, that's about it. 
and uh, would go to Northern California. Always had to stop in at Chinatown, which my mom absolutely loved. Grant Street, as I recall. And so we were there, and, and when you're in Northern California, we actually lived on Stanford campus um, in a brand-new apartment uh, that they, apartment, well, uh, housing they built. It was really first people to live in it. I went back, um, oh, about 20 years later, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was very different, but uh, it was pretty good back then. And I used to uh, walk around Stanford campus. I found the Stanford Coffee Shop. And they had this gigantic, two gigantic machines that were essentially like playing asteroid, kind of. They were connected. They were massive. Uh, how could we ever know, right? I made a lot of good friends out there. But um, one of the things that my family did was we'd take trips, road trips. We'd go to Santa Cruz. Uh, we'd go uh, to San Jose a couple of times, went to the Rosicrucian Museum. By the way, now, this is something we didn't do, but I did much later. If you ever have a chance to see uh, the, the Winchester House of Mystery, it's worth the admission fee. I just got to tell you, it is absolutely wild, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Took my kids, and they were like, why is this place like that? You know, it's kind of amazing. But anyway, so uh, we went to wine country, went to the Palm of Song Vineyards. I don't even know if there is such a thing anymore. And uh, back in the day, you could drink as much wine as you wanted on those tours and and I was the designated driver which didn't mean that I drank any less it's just that my dad didn't like driving that much <laughs> so I didn't get sloshed or anything but you know we take it so we did all these things but the thing that we did the most was we'd go to the city San Francisco and uh, one day my mom said let's go to uh, Chinatown and it's okay. Well, there we are. So Chinatown it was. By the way, for those of you wondering what this Chinese New Year is, it's the year of the wood pig. Now, I'll leave that for you to look up. It's a sexagenary system, and it's really fascinating, and it's pretty wonderful, um, and pigs are not reviled as they are um, in some parts of the world, uh, but they're considered to be, well, you read up on it. It's definitely worth looking into. Chinese astrology is absolutely fascinating. I'm kind of obsessed with certain aspects of it. Uh, the feng shui kind of comes around there too with the lopan, the uh, the Chinese Chinese divination compass, not divination, geomancy. Well, you can divine with it too. The I Ching is linked into it. It's really quite fascinating. So it was one of those days, and and it was uh you know Saturday I think, and uh, 1973. And my mom said, let's go to Chinatown. And, and I got to the point where I was just like, oh, I don't want to go there once more. I thought, okay, what the heck? Let's go. Because we always would eat something. Um, <laughs> one time we were in Chinatown. And I went to a restaurant. And my mom asked for sweet and sour pork. And they, they brought her this plate with a big slice of ham on it covered in sweet and sour sauce. And along with it was this long black hair. And so she... <laughs> raised her hand and the waiter come over and he came over and he said the you know like what and he said there's a hair in my you know so he just took a, a fork and reached in and pulled it out and walked away that was it eat it now if we laughed uh it was a different kind of world you know uh, it was just a few years after the summer of love and guys like me were kind of um not i was a long hair i was a hippie-ish type, and uh, I actually started growing my hair the as fast as I could after I graduated from high school. So by the time we went there, it was, what, six, seven, eight months long, and it was plenty long, and I'd grown my beard, 
And um, I was definitely uh, one of those hippie type guys, you know. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a hippie type guy, especially back then. However, in hindsight, it seems to me that perhaps that had something to do uh, with the way we were treated. <laughs> because here I was, and uh, they had grown rather, rather tired of hippies during that period of time. So uh, it, it could well have been the reason for the hair in the sweet and sour pork. You know, who knows? Who knows? Who really knows? So we went up there, and uh, it was a Saturday, 1973. And it was turning the year of the ox, as I recall. And um, we went. Now, one of the things my mom loved to do was haggle and, and buy suluyu. Now, if you've never heard of suluyu, it's a green plant that the Chinese call suluyu. But in Egypt, it's called mulcheya. Oh, pardon me. I think I uh, got a little on the microphone. Let me say it again. Mulcheya. Mulcheya. And mulcheya is... A, is <laughs> it's... Well, one of those things that you kind of get used to, especially if you grow up with it, because it has the consistency of um, 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 phlegm. Yeah, phlegm. Um, not a thick, thick phlegm, where you could kind of. It's it's anyway. Let's. It's kind of. It's it's musical. It's it's really kind of yucky to some people, and I happen to like it as long as it's not made with rabbit or something like that, you know. So, mulcheya is very popular, and one of the problems of living in this country is that there's no mulcheya. Well, my mom found it. She, she, she said, oh my God, to my dad, she said, this is mulcheya. I don't think she said, oh my God, but, you know, something like that in Arabic. And he said, you know what, it sure looks like it, and so bought some. She asked, what is it called? They said, Suluyu. And so from then on, we go to San Francisco and get Suluyu. Kind of a big deal, this stuff in Egypt. So um, that was one of the things she loved to do. She loved to haggle. She loved haggling. I mean, my goodness, she loved to, you know, how much for this? How much for that? This ginger jar, I really want this. Well, you know, 180 bucks and, well, well, gosh, you know, I think it's probably, I don't know. And she'd end up getting it for 20 bucks and they'd be happy. Because, you know, it probably cost them, uh, I don't know how much it cost them, I'm not even venture. So we went up on one of our usual things, and it was always a lot of fun. I loved looking at the intricate carvings that they did. Now, of course, I realized some of it was ivory, and I feel kind of bad about that. But it was before a lot of the awareness that we have today. My God, it was 1973 when we were there. So we stopped, and it was different than usual. There was always some sort of decoration, you know, world-famous Chinatown and that sort of thing. And it's on a hill, and I found a good parking place. Now, let me give you a word of advice. Now, this, sir, it's been, you know, since 72 when I had this happen. But um, I parked somewhere and didn't really, I I parked around the corner on uh, Broadway, I think it is, right in front of like Big Al's or something like that, a strip joint, where Carol Doda, the perfect 44, long story. But... um, so we went down, we, I parked there, and I didn't read the signs. And so we're, we're down in Chinatown, and suddenly I see a car go by, and I said, that looks like our car. And I looked at the license plate and said, oh, that's our car. And it had been towed away. So I went and found someone to ask a policeman, and he said, oh, you're going to have to go down to Turk Street to pick it up. Now, I still don't know where Turk Street is, but all I know is that it was a very, very long uh, journey. 
and I did it by bus and I did a little streetcar and it was terrifying on the bus because you couldn't see where the guy was going and he was kind of reckless. But I made it all the way down to Turk Street finally after about two or three hours. In the meantime, my parents are shopping and having lunch, you know. And so I got there to the car impound lot and I said, I, I you know, I was parked in front of a place where you weren't supposed to park on a certain day at a certain time, and it was the certain day and time. So there I was, and the guy said, well, okay, I need a hundred bucks, or whatever it was. At 75, I think it was. I said, I don't have $75. He said, well, then you don't get the car. And I said, how about my watch? Can I leave my watch with you? He said, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So I left the watch. I went and got, and anyway, we got the car back. I got my watch back, but I learned a valuable lesson. So I found a good space on Grant Street, which is a miracle because it was the Chinese New Year. Now, we quickly realized this as we walked out because there were lanterns and, and lots 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 of firecrackers. And I mean lots of firecrackers. There were people blowing horns. There were gongs being beaten. You know, a lot of people laughing. And maybe anywhere between two to three billion firecrackers, most of them being thrown at me along with the words, hey, hippie, firecrackers at my feet, landing on my body and exploding. Now, for some reason, these seemed like the most evil, malicious firecrackers I'd ever experienced in my life. They weren't like firecrackers when I was a kid. These things like bit you. They was like like venomous serpents. And I was like, I was getting really tired of this. But I had to endure. So firecracker, firecracker. And it was actually, we'd gotten there kind of early, I guess, for the festivities. But pretty soon the place was mobbed. The streets were impassable. It was just really cool. And then the parade started. And it was so cool because there were the noise-making people and more fireworks. And I just kind of resigned myself that Hippie was going to get the firecrackers, you know. And Hippie got the firecrackers. Of course, my parents kind of moved away and my family, my brothers, you know, they kind of moved away from me. My sister was just an infant at the time, so they definitely moved, you know, my, my sister away from me. And uh, I got lots of firecrackers. They didn't want to get it. So... Here comes this this massive crowd, and there's acrobats. It was really fantastic, really something to see. They had these lanterns on long poles, and and I've never seen anything quite like it. And music, you know, the music, the sounds. And, and then suddenly there was this big ruckus, and down the street came, oh, there were lion dancers. Have you ever seen lion dancers? They are so cool, so cool. And then after the lion dancers came the dragon, the dragon, and the crowd went bananas, absolutely bananas, went nuts, lychee nuts for that matter, I don't know, so it was one of those, you know, things with the people inside of it, and it's about 30 feet long, I don't think that's an exaggeration, and they wound around really as if it were alive, and it would rise up on its hind legs, they must have held the guy in the back, or I I don't know how they did that, but in the front, there was a guy dressed in red, right, in front of the dragon. And the dragon was just beautiful, really beautiful. And uh, there was a guy dressed in red, and he, he had a large red and yellow ball on a stick. And he was leading the dragon through the crowd. Well, he would stop somewhere in the crowd and hold the ball in front of the spectator, as if it were a microphone. And the dragon would bring its ferocious head close and open its mouth. And I thought, what is he going to do? Is he going to eat this guy? Is he going to do some sort of pantomime here? And then 
the person inside the dragon's head, the person number one, I guess, would give some sort of advice. You know, and everyone would applaud and they'd ooh and ah, and and the the person would be very grateful. Now, I later found out that this guy holding the ball was kind of in charge. He, He decided where to go and this and that. And what he was holding was known, get ready for this, as the Pearl of Wisdom. Yes, that's exactly where it comes from. That is the Pearl of Wisdom. And the dragon has it. So this guy is going up and down, you know, the street. And finally, um, they're getting close to us. And I'm thinking, what poor sap is next? Well, you guessed it. I was the poor sap. And he walked right up and he stuffed this ball right into my face. And I had to move back. And the dragon came up and I could eat, opened its mouth and I could see the guy inside. And he's sweating and he said, but he looked at me with such a disdainful look. You know, he just looked at me like, and he yelled out, and I won't do an accent or anything, but he had one, but it was, he yelled out as loud as he could, you get haircut, you get haircut. And I went, really? I didn't say anything because I was kind of stunned. And the crowd exploded into laughter. And I mean, hurrah, Jose, or Jose, hurrah, whatever, um, just laughter, laughter, pointing at me, hippie, hippie. And I wasn't, I wasn't that big of a hippie. Yes, I had a, a yarn belt and, you know, I wore, yeah, okay. Um, so, <laughs> get haircut. So the prancing away and people laughing and, and, and here's why it irritated me so darn much. My mom had told me to get a haircut at least 10 times a day, maybe up to a thousand times a day for almost a year. Ever since I'd graduated from high school, she wanted me to get a haircut. But let me tell you what, I always hated, and I mean despised, haircuts. From the time I was a little wee child to the time now, I still don't like them. I just, there's something about cutting your hair that seems unnatural to me. You know, it just seems wrong. The song hair, for example, in the, in the actual version of it, you know, long as God can grow it. Right. Well, yes. I mean, I know that being civilized and human means, you know, um, uh, you know, having your locks shorn from time to time, but I just never got it and I never liked it. But okay, that's a different story. So remember when I went from, I think seventh to eighth grade, um, I wanted to grow my hair long and, and I couldn't, I wasn't allowed. I was, you know, a kid. And so, um, I was very aware of the counterculture and everything going right. So instead I, I told my mom, I wanted to get, shave my head, shave my head. I said, and she did. And it got a little sunburned, but every, you know, it was, I had dandruff before that. After that, I never had dandruff again. Um, I wore a friend, gave me a beret. I wore that and a sailor's cap. I looked like the biggest nerdy geek you ever saw. So, I, when I heard this guy said, you get haircut, it just blew me away. And and so I looked around and people were ha, 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 and none were as laughing as hard. Not one person was laughing as hard as my mother. My mom was leaning against a storefront with tears streaming down her face. She was just almost bent over. Now, my mom was really a force of nature. And she was a, a really kind of a cool lady. She and I fought almost 
constantly because I was stubborn. She was stubborn. She did what she wanted for me. I was like, eh, not me. But so there were times when she would laugh. It would be a little bit derisive. But this was the sheer beautiful joy of a good belly laugh. And, and she just was standing there crying. My dad was laughing. My brothers were, of course, you know, just as pleased as punch. And she was, she reached out and she put a hand on my shoulder and she just looked at me and pointed at me and, and just barely got out while she was laughing. You get haircut. And I just, I started laughing too. It was one of the, one of the funniest things. I, I mean, it was just hilarious. There was this moment and people around us were laughing and it's not like, I'd never been told to get a haircut before. I mean, back in my hometown later, a couple of years later, um, a guy would drive by a group of guys, um, goat ropers, as they were known, uh, in their truck, and they threw beers at me, you know, yelling, hippie, get a haircut. And I got free beer, you know. So what's a little bruise when you get free beer? So that's what happened there. <laughs> you know, it was good with free beer. And, and so what's funny is that what what the dragon pronounces, what the dragon says, is supposed to be a prophecy, a proclamation. It, it's more than just, you know, advice. It's the word of the oracle itself. And I thought there is no way I'm getting my hair cut. No way. I just started this escapade. I'm going to have long hair till the day I die. Um, well, I almost got that far. I mean, I think I cut my hair bum, 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 in my early fifties because I realized that the way I was wearing it, pulling it back into a into a ponytail, was ripping it right out of my skull. And I just thought, well, why why do that anymore? So I kind of so every now and then I I, I get groomed. My my wife will uh, you know get me down and give me a couple of doggy treats and you know and I just she puts that thing around my neck and I stand up and she you know, sniffs my hair and, and, um, and it just, and my beard, when my beard gets really long, which it does, and it used to be real curly, but now it's really kind of loose and straight. I, I look something like, um, like I should be in the hills somewhere, you know, uh, living in a den of bears, you know, something like that. And it makes me look a lot younger and a lot, and I'm still like, I don't like haircuts anyway. So I thought I'm not getting a haircut, just not getting one. So it turned out that we we got done with that year and we moved back to Colorado. My dad's sabbatical was over and it was decided that we would then uh, go to Egypt. Now, I hadn't been since I was a kid. My brothers had never been. Um, my dad hadn't been in 21 years. Long story. I'll tell that someday, I guess. But the point is, is so there I was um, faced with this. We're going to Egypt. I'll never forget it. My mom had what she called her safe. And some some of you listening may know what her safe was. But we got to the, the store where the travel agency was. It was in the May DNF in downtown Denver. We drove from Fort Collins about an hour and a half, right? And I think we went and had something to eat. And we did all this. And we went through the store. And we went to the travel agency. And the guy says, well, that'll be 5000 some dollars. So my mom reaches into her bra, right? and pulls out five grand in cash. And she said it was in my safe. And I thought, holy (laughs) 
bankroll. She kept money there all the time. That's an old world thing, I guess. But the guy was kind of like, uh, <laughs> she held it out and he did. I was like, uh, so <laughs> we, we went to Egypt. But before we went, it was said to me by more than one person, buddy, you've got to cut your hair. Now, to be honest with you, when I first got long hair, I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, do guys know what to do with long hair? And I have very frizzy hair. It's my kid brothers both had afros. They were lucky. They Well, not then, but later. Because their hair did that. My hair doesn't do that. My hair comes out on either side like wings or like Medusa. And when I walk, those wings go up and down. It's about as obvious as you can get. I don't grow it that long anymore. It gets close sometimes. But so it got snarled. There were snarls in it. It was beginning to, if I'd known about dreadlocks back then, I would have done that because my hair probably would have done that pretty well. Uh, but then I would have gone bald earlier. It's, it's a long story. So um, I knew that, okay, they're probably, because my dad said, you won't make it on the streets of Cairo or anywhere else with long hair. It's just not going to work for you. And he said, I have something else to tell you, too. And I said, well, what's that? He said, you're going to have to shave your beard off. And I was just, oh, my God. Listen, when we got back from California, a friend of mine was getting married that day. So I'd gotten the the invitation in California because it had been forwarded to me. And so we got back to Colorado and I immediately, we all got in the car. I dressed up in the only clothing of that kind that I had and it really did not go. It look, I looked really bizarre, I think. I had this blouse ties I could tie on and, you know, it was, it was just, it was the era. You had to be there. If you were there, you were very lucky, I think. And I walked in and he looked at me and said, Mo, you've gone hippie on us. Oh, I was so proud. I was so complimented and so happy that he said that to me. It was just the greatest thing in the world. I'll never forget that moment as long as I live, you know. Um, it was wonderful. The marriage did not last, but, you know, that wasn't my fault. I wasn't, not me. Um, so that was that. So my dad said, you're going to have to shave your beard. And I said, why? He said, because you're not a sheikh. You're not a learned person. Um, you can't do it. You just can't get away with it. And now I realize there were bigger issues that I didn't understand. I mean, I was 18. Uh, and so, okay, I shaved my beard and I realized when I got home and, and had, you know, all of this, I looked clean cut and it just terrified me. I hadn't seen my face in a while. And I just, I was like, oh God, I just, now I remember why I did this in the first place. But I realized the dragon had been right. The prediction was true. I had cut my hair. You get haircut. You get haircut. Now that was the last haircut I got for probably 40 years, you know. Uh, like I said, I finally did cut my hair. I didn't even trim it, you know. And my beard was really, really long. When my daughter was very young, she could stand in front of me and I could put my beard on the top of her head, almost. Um, and one day, I decided to just shave off my beard. And no one knew me. You know, the people at the bank thought my wife was having an affair. Uh, my kids walked right by me because they'd never seen me without a beard. My granddaughter recognized me right away. It was just, and I, I, I shaved it for one day, but I didn't do it right. I just, you know, used a razor and shaved and shaved and shaved and shaved, and my face got it like a big grape. It was really, I looked 
Very strange. I took a picture of myself and sent it to my siblings and said, do you know this guy? He claims to be related to us. They had no idea who it was. I love that. So now I know if I ever need to go underground, I can do that. So that's my happy Chinese New Year story. (laughs) That's the Chinese New Year to me. Every year when it comes around, every year when it comes around, I think about that. I think about being with my mom and dad, my brothers and my baby sister in um, Northern California. Back then they said Gong He Fat Choi, right? I think of them fondly because I love, love them dearly. And of course my mom and dad, I should say of course, but my mom and dad have been gone for quite some time. And um, I love my siblings and I've had a pretty blessed life, but that experience it's still, I'll, I can still see that guy with the sweat and looking at me as if I were just a piece of, like a cigarette butt, you know, in the middle of an ice cream cone, which I would have gotten had I gone to one of the ice cream parlors there. Um, when he said, you get haircut, what did he even say? You get hair, you get haircut. Yeah, I said, you get haircut, not a haircut. And so for me, this is a wonderful little thing. And I'll probably have some Chinese food and I'll probably, but, you know, more than that, I love to celebrate things, you know, celebrate things. And I think I'll do a podcast on celebrations and how important they are and how wonderful they are and how good they are. Because if you follow the cross quarter days and the quarter days, you get to celebrate something every 45 days and chances are good. There'll be something in the middle there that you also get to to celebrate. Life is wonderful. Life is worth living. Life is for living. So let's live our lives. And gong hei fat choi. I hope that's correct. I hope that doesn't offend anybody. Um, enjoy the year of the wood pig. All right. I think that's all for now. Until next we meet, I wish you all peace and love. This is Mo. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.